0: there
1: Horn and I'm the assistant sports editor at The Daily Californian. On today's episode we'll have two guests, Lucas Perkins-Brown and Jasper Sundy, who will each discuss a current problem in the world of sports. Talking about sports issues is especially interesting during the COVID-19 pandemic which has ruined the normalcy and routine of sports and created more barriers in the way of Sports lead successful operations. Um, there's been a new development since the last episode about sports sports issues which is the return of the MLB. The MLB has a long history of conflict over players' rights and labor issues. The pandemic has only made them worse, or exacerbated them. Jasper, do you want to tell us more about this issue?
0: Yeah. Um, so hi, I'm Jasper Sundin. Um I cover Kalman soccer, um, and I've done a little bit of coverage for Kalman's football. Obviously, the MLB does, um, like, you, like you said, have a really long history um, of labor unrest. Um, I mean, there's been multiple strikes and lockouts um, and the, a lot of these aren't new issues. Sort of the players clashing with owners, um, but um, the, yeah, the COVID nineteen crisis has really um, it's brought a lot of these issues back to light. Um, and it's it's I think it's it's emblematic. This situation is emblematic for larger changes in sports. Uh, so if you weren't following along with uh, the negotiations between the MLB Players Association and the MLB owners, um, there's an agreement uh, right. At the beginning of the pandemic, when quarantine orders first went into play, um, that essentially said uh, when when the season came back, MLB players were going to get their salary pro rata. They were going to get paid uh, based on the amount of games they had played, played relative uh, to their total season. So if they pay, they'd played whatever, 30% of the total season's games, they get paid 30% of their total wages. Um, when Nick Players and owners came back to the table to negotiate a start to the season. The owners were very much against this um, this this agreement. They wanted to just sort of hammer out something new. Um, and the end result was that the players uh, eventually just said, "Look, this is this is what's in place. Tell us when and where we're going to show up and we're going to play under this deal." And that's what happened. Um, and that that's an oversimplification. There's a lot more in sort of in the nitty gritty, um, and you should definitely go look into it and and read up on it if you want to figure it out um, and get a better Handle on what happened, but I think it's it's emblematic in, in the COVID crisis has given a lot of players an opportunity to really stand up and um, with sort of their their health um, and their personal safety on the line, uh, sort of claim rights uh, and claim power that they perhaps didn't have before. Um, And I think if if you sort of think back to the MLB player strikes in the 90s, um, that wasn't something I was alive for, but I feel like the discussion was different. This time, the players were seen as more victims. They had a lot more leeway to negotiate in the public sphere. Um, And a lot of the strategies that the owners had used then were ineffective now. Um, And you had a lot of players speaking up and saying like, look, I'm gonna go out and play baseball and I'm gonna risk my personal safety to play baseball. I need to be compensated. and the players in the end were. Uh, they, they, they sort of won this battle. And um, like saying, you're winning or losing a labor agreement is, again, an oversimplification. But with, with both the, the COVID pandemic and then I think as, as it's developed, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you're seeing across sports, players have a greater ability to step up and take a lot of power and make their voices heard and win those battles in ways that they haven't before. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to sort of watch how all of this percolates. Uh, I think in the NFL, I know in the last episode, uh, Shailen and Luke talked a lot about Colin Kaepernick, um, and how he was blackball. And I think the sort of the latest wave of protests have just made it abundantly clear that the NFL was wrong, uh, and that Kaepernick did have a right to speak up. Um, he always had that right and that they were wrong to sort of ice him out, uh, and the the result of that has been more players have been able to step up and make their voices heard and use their platform um, to to advocate for certain issues. And again, it's it's around the I think the, the sort of core of this is players have an increased ability to speak up, um, to win labor disputes, to to create social change. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that. The, the COVID-19 crisis and the Black Lives Matter movement have made it untenable for uh, owners to continue to, for lack of a better word, um, abuse player rights.
1: Yeah, something you mentioned um, about the MLB, and I think it relates to other sports leagues as well, as kind of the public's perception of when uh, players speak up and speak out. I mean, like you said, we talked on last week's episode how Colin Kaepernick was essentially blackballed for speaking up. But in a time like this, the growing momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, it probably would have gone differently if you had chosen to speak out now. Um, what was int- what I think is interesting too is how, um, like you mentioned, the players in the MLB seem much more like are perceived more as victims this time. Um, and then you also mentioned historical player strikes. I think back then I was listening to something that mentioned that the public perceived the players uh, less like victims and they were more like upset with them for choosing not to play and felt like it was their fault that baseball was on hold. So I, I just think it's interesting to think about how the public's perception of the players and whether they're in the right or the wrong kind of affects, I don't know, just the sport in general.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think that's a great point. And I think the, the core of this issue is that uh, for, for a long time, owners have had power Um, Owners have been able to dictate terms to players. uh, And that's something that's changed um, across various sports. I think the NBA um, is easily considered the most socially progressive of the major American sports leagues. Um, And I think a big part of that is because owners don't have that same level of power. They can't dictate terms to players. Um, I mean, you think about sort of LeBron James decision. Um, I mean, every move he's made has been a move he has made. No one has been able to dictate to LeBron like, hey, you're staying in Miami. Hey, you're staying in Cleveland. You can't go to Los Angeles. At no point has someone been able to tell LeBron what he can or cannot do, um, and that's that's emblematic of the fact that he has power. Um, but the reason for that is, I mean, sports is sort of at, at its core divided between three, I think, very different groups. There's sort of owners and management. There's players and there's fans. Um, and for a long time in a lot of sports, it was the owners who had all the power. The owners would dictate where teams moved, the owners would dictate who's on teams, um, who's not on teams. You see that with the Colin Kaepernick situation. Um, I mean, do you see that with the plethora of American sports teams changing cities? Um, But increasingly, I think players are starting to realize that they actually do have a lot of power in these situations. Um, Because they're the ones playing the sport. I mean, without them, it's nothing. Um, And that's something, NBA players I think have known for a long time that without these superstars, you have nowhere near the same sport. And so they're the ones who dictate terms. Um, And you saw that with the MLB. If the players weren't gonna play, there was not gonna be a season. Um, And again, it's a very complex situation, but um, you had individual players stepping up and saying like, hey, look, if my demands aren't met, I see no reason for me to play. Um, And the end result uh, was that the players are able to, in a sense, dictate terms. Um, and I think it will also be interesting because the the one group that really makes all this financially possible are fans um i mean without without your support, your team's nothing uh, without you paying for jerseys for tickets, without you tuning in every night to watch a game it's 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 just a bunch of guys on a field um and i mean you can you can see that anywhere so uh, I think that that's another aspect of this, like how much power can fans have um, going forward. But I think I mean, the fact remains, and I think this fact is increasingly obvious, that will the owners own the teams? It's the players that make the teams and that make the sport. Um,
1: so do you think that um, more leagues are going to start shifting to becoming more like the NBA where the players have the majority of the power? Do you think that's going to change over time?
0: Um, I mean, I I personally love to see that happen. Um, and I mean there I think there are probably things that make the NBA a unique exception. I mean, it's a much smaller sport just in terms of the player pool. Um, I mean, there are only five players in an NBA starting lineup. Um, and there are less players on the bench. Um uh, I mean if you think about the size of an NBA squad as opposed to a size of an NFL squad, I mean there's just there's, there's there's a lot more uh, variability, and there's a lot more ability to substitute good players. I mean, there's just a larger player pool in the MLB and in the NFL. Um, so I, I, I don't know if it can be that. It, it, you, you'll see the same kind of sort of drastic change, but I, I would love to see it. Um, and I think that the opportunity is there.
1: Luke, do you have any questions?
2: Yeah, I was actually going to uh, ask Jasper. Not so much ask him, but just kind of, I guess, conversate with him about
0: Let's go. i remember on
2: twitter a few uh on twitter a few days ago maybe no maybe it was a few weeks ago that i think about it i saw like this massive amounts of these mlb players saying like you know the reasonings for want to play and like the hashtag statement like we want to play and almost it almost seemed as if that they were coming at it as like like you know what i mean like as a group that you know it's like we're saying we don't want to play because we're not getting paid but like it's almost like they were kind of putting the pressure on the management on, you know, upper management saying like, like, yeah, the ball's in your court, like the ball's in your court. Like you guys are going to have to figure out what you want to do because we all want to play, but we're not going to not play for knocking. You know what I mean? Something like, yeah, it's just interesting. Like it's kind of interesting watching that dynamic, how Twitter has now been like a platform for these players, not only to speak about like, you know, their personal feelings, but like also the issues that they're going through in their everyday work lives. You know what I mean? Like, how they can get on there and kind of talk about what's going on. You know what I mean? What's going on, you know, behind closed doors. And if they're all saying, you know, well, we want to play. And, but you know, these managers, like they don't really want, like these owners don't really want us to play. Then, you know, that's kind of how I can see that shift from what you were talking about. You know, how people, the fans are upset with the players to now like, well, maybe it's the players that do want to play. And it's the management that doesn't want to play. Maybe we should be upset with the owners, the people that are running these organizations, I think that brings up a pretty good conversation.
0: No, I think that's an absolutely amazing point. And um, it, it, if you want to think about things that have changed, I mean, in an age of social media, I think it was Blake Snell. He was on Twitch live streaming, like live streaming, he was playing Fortnite. Um, and he just starts sort of talking about these issues, and his central point is, like, hey, there are health risks, I'm not going to play. But, I mean, I... 20 years ago, you can't, you wouldn't just say that playing video games and suddenly the whole world knows. Mia, you talked about, like, it's it's about the narrative, like, who who's perceived as victims, who sort of the public sees as being in the right. And I think, Luke, you're totally right. The The ability for players to, like, very, very clearly in their own words, um, say what they want, what they mean, and then communicate those experiences as well has really changed the lay of the land.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. And then, The other thing you're talking about, Mia, you had asked Jasper. um, Because I'll answer this really quickly. Uh, You had asked Jasper if you think some of these other leagues will slowly kind of adopt these principles that like the NBA kind of has right now, and it. I I kind of think it just kind of. It sucks to say it, but it kind of just starts. I feel like with one player who has like a powerful voice slash platform, and it can either go negatively or positively. So you know, LeBron has been generational talent for 17 years in the NBA so everyone like he's been the best player in that league for a solid at least 14 to 15 years I'd say he's been in the finals at one point he went seven years in a row like he's literally been the leader the voice of the NBA so what he says in a way kind of goes like I, I believe one person I think it was Patrick Beverly said that if LeBron James says we're playing basketball like we are playing basketball and lo and behold, we're in July, and five days from now, they're going to be tipping off in Orlando. So, like, that's how it goes. But you see Kaepernick, obviously, you know, he went to the Super Bowl once, but he lost. Um, like, he had, a, he's had, a, you know, good seasons, but he, he wasn't, like, a generational talent. Someone had, as if Tom Brady had said what Kaepernick did, then maybe that conversation starts earlier. So I, I don't put all the responsibility on the players. I almost kind of put it on you know like how the fans receive it but at the same time it also does kind of matter who's speaking behind like that microphone at the end of the day because if it's someone that's not very well known or is it is not this generational like talent that's the best player in the league then I definitely think the reception from it can be a lot worse than you know LeBron James saying that you know what I mean so if that makes any sense
1: so, are you saying it depends more on kind of well, not only their platform, like they're following on Twitter or something else, but also on their like talent?
2: Um, not so much. Yes, yeah. See, I don't want to. I, I don't want. I definitely don't want to go into like that well def like that. Not so much their talent, but I guess I would say like their following. But I guess their following also kind of determines, like yeah. determines like yeah their talent as well. So yeah, I, I don't want to say oh like you know the best players have to speak up, but it's definitely a responsibility, you know, to speak up what you think is right for. LeBron has never really closed his mouth on social issues and stuff like that. But you know, there's there hasn't really been anyone in the NFL like Kaepernick yet. So maybe, you know, in the next few years you're looking at, I mean the NFL made that video about how Black Lives Matter. Maybe you're looking in the next few years that Patrick Mahomes kind of takes that stand that LeBron does. I mean, he's definitely a generational talent. Um, you know, it's It's progressive because of the players that are in it. So the MLB recently, uh, I think it was the Red Sox that posted a Black Lives Matter thing a few days ago. And if you read the comments, it was just like all of those Red Sox fans were clearly not ready to have that conversation on social media. If you literally pan through those comments, you'll see some crazy things. Like I was a fan for 36 years. Now I'm not. So I mean, these leagues just across the board are just a lot di- like made up a lot differently from the MLB to the NBA.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point.
2: Um, so
1: back to our question that you brought up again about other like league- leagues shifting to be like the NBA. I guess your answer, if I'm like um, interpreting it correctly, your answer would be it just depends because the like fan base, the player makeup, just different yeah. from the board. Okay. Do you think that um, it would be ideal if they did shift to be more like the NBA in terms of players' rights, or do you think it's not really, like, feasible?
2: Um, I think it's I definitely think kind of what Jasper is going off of, that it's definitely getting to that point. Uh, you Eventually, it's it's, it's going to be, like, all these leagues are going to turn into the NBA. Like, at some point or another, like, these players are going like, to get their power backs one way or another. So I think it's only just a matter of time at this point. But It's going to take time for some of these leagues. I mean, NASCAR is generations behind. The MLB is definitely still behind. I mean, women's soccer, we have the best women's soccer team, like, in the world for, like, the past two or three World Cups, and they're still behind on how they're paying their players, how they're treating their players on and off the field. So, I mean, it's just going to take time. It's definitely just going to take time. But it's going to happen. I think it's going to
1: happen. Yeah, just at different, like, paces. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: it's unfortunate,
0: but, yeah. And I think there are also – there are different permutations. I mean, each of these leagues is different. I mean, these are different sports. Um, Yeah. And Luke talked about different fan bases. I mean, the fans are a critical component of this. I mean, the the fans are sort of the real financial power behind this. I think we often consider that as the owners. But, I mean, without the fans – none of this is profitable and it doesn't sort of become the, the machine that it has become without fan support and the buy-in from the fans. Uh, I mean, you think of all the TV deals that's due to sort of the, the fans? And so I think it does so fall um, upon people as well to, to sort of dictate with their attention. I mean, if the NFL had blackball Colin Kaepernick and then, people had stopped watching football. I I mean, how long do you think it would have taken for someone to give him a contract? Um, so I think there, there's a certain impetus on fans, but it's, it's also uh, yeah. Like you, you also have different types of contracts between all these sports. I mean, in terms of answering that question, like how, how will other leagues end up like the NBA if we consider the NBA ideal? Um, I mean, I think there are opportunities to sign shorter contracts in the NBA, uh, like Patrick Mahomes just signed a mammoth deal with the chiefs. Um, yeah. I mean, he's committed for the rest of his career, but that means he he, he doesn't have the same ability as suddenly like opt out. LeBron signs three-year deals. And it means at the end of his three-year deal, he he, he still has that control. I mean, he he can tell the team what to do because he, he tells them to march the day after March because they want to keep him. Mm-hmm. Um, And so you're, you're, you're still seeing, different different permutations. I mean, the MLB prides itself on these insanely long-term contracts. I mean, Mookie Betts just did the same thing. He signed the rest of his career to the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, which also limits his ability to negotiate and his ability to sort of demand things um, along different lines. Um, And and that's, that's something that has, it's sort of its pros and its cons. Mookie Betts has less personal power, but then if if players that that's something players have already always targeted in terms of labor negotiations to get those longer contracts i'm kind of going off base here Um, but there there's so many different things that
1: yeah yeah you're right for sure um okay is there anything else we want to touch on related to this topic before we transition to yours luke any other thoughts Uh,
2: um briefly, i did a cba thing A CBA piece for uh, Daily Cal. It covered the NFL CBA. And um, kind of what Jasper was talking about, how like the power can kind of shift, you know, here or there. The players had gotten their way at the same time giving up more rights. I think one of them was that they had to play an extra preseason game and maybe two extra preseason games now that I think about it. So it's, you know, you're, in a lot of cases, I feel where players get something that they want, they, something can also get set off in the other direction and be very detrimental to a few other players. A few preseason games in the NFL is just more wear and tear on your body for the rest of your life. So although you know, you're now allowed to uh, test positive for weed in various amounts, you also have to play two more games on top of your season even starting. So now not only are, you know, networks making even more money off of their off your risk of getting injured, you've only gotten a step closer to where you want to be. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, definitely a give and take situation. Um, I'm kind of going off base here now too, but yeah, that's basically all I have to say. Just, yeah. Just players are going to, it's just going to keep on being like a power struggle, I feel like, but other leagues can learn, I think from the NBA, but Again, that just, just going to take time.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, do you want to talk um, a little bit about the WNBA then?
2: Yeah. So uh, my name is Lucas Perkins Brown. I cover Cow women's lacrosse. Um, so recently, WNBA MVP Elena Della Dawn, uh she requested – essentially to opt out of the WNBA season. She just won MVP last season and she won an NBA WNBA championship last season. She's been living with Lyme disease for a big portion of her entire career, but her medical opt-out for uh, Lyme disease on top of coronavirus got requested and they didn't essentially give her a reason why. They had three doctors on the panel uh, um, and it kind of just brings up it kind of just brings up this conversation of why was it denied? I mean, we have a giant list of NBA players here. Not even giant list. We have a a decently big list of NBA players, starting with Avery Bradley, uh, Trevor Reza, David Bertans, Wilson Chandler, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan. At one point, it was Victor Oladipo, too, but I believe he's going to play in the restart now, but – all these players request these opt outs and they get it in the NBA but the WNBA they the MVP who just won a championship in 2019 doesn't get one so there's a conversation to be had about why essentially why was she not getting I mean she has Lyme disease she clearly and you know her immune system is clearly at risk for coronavirus why couldn't she essentially opt out of this season and like that's kind of the conversation that's being had right now, so.
1: Yeah, so have there been other players in the WNBA who have opted out from like health reasons, whose like requests have been accepted? I believe there have been a few.
2: There have been a few, has everybody been, uh, has everyone been rejected or has anybody
0: been accepted yet? No, I think um, there have been several WNBA players that have opted out and I, I believe that they're going to be allowed to opt out. Okay.
2: Just yeah, it brings up this conversation of why why El, like why Elena della Don was essentially rejected, and all these other players are going to get accepted. It kind of makes me wonder if it has to do with you know ratings or you know television views and stuff like that. Will will her team essentially get less ratings and you know less viewership if she's not playing? Possibly because the best player on the team isn't going to show up. Obviously, but at the same time, it's like. This is someone's person. This is someone's personal health at risk right, right now. You know what I mean? Like they're living with chronic Lyme disease. This is someone's family personal health that's at risk right now. Um, to give the MB- to give the WNBA MVP a season off doesn't seem like in the long term it'll be detrimental to the WNBA. But I'm wondering if it has to do more with financial reasons as opposed to social reasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting especially because she is like a star player on the WNBA. And like you mentioned about the ratings. um, If the WNBA does have, like, obviously their ratings aren't as high as the NBA. So they kind of need to draw on that viewership and maybe by kind of essentially forcing her to play, they like, that's more for profit. And I think that can tie really well into our conversation about players rights in general. I mean, the idea that she wasn't allowed to opt out of a season when she's putting her health on the line is kind of yeah. like, I don't know, it's ridiculous. So it's interesting, like, how one hand we were talking about how the NBA is this kind of symbol for players rights and players like, for example, LeBron James have all the power, where on the other hand, the WNBA has some major issues, including lack of player power.
2: Yeah, it brings up the conversation of uh, it brings up the conversation of whether or not someone's personal health is their choice, which I don't, I guess, I, I guess I just don't really understand that how I don't understand how someone, I don't get how ma- upper management or even like, you know, M- WNBA doctors have a say in whether or not Elena Deladon feels comfortable with her health. If she clearly feels uncomfortable, there, and there should be a conversation to have that way, you know, where, where is the, where's the line drawn, essentially? Where is the line going to be drawn? Is it going to be drawn in a contract where, it, you know, like her health is, you know, in a clause or something where they control her personal decisions? Because, I mean, players sit for a lot less now in games. I mean, if sit for as long as he wants, essentially. But if Elena Deladon, who has a chronic immune system disease, can't sit for an entire NBA season, and there's no reasoning behind it, I, it, I don't know. It's just, like, there has, to, there has to be some sort of change in that league where someone like her who has that can opt out of a season or can opt out for a few months or a few weeks to protect her family and her personal health.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm going to bounce off on that. You, you talked about – I mean, we talked about earlier, I mean, different leagues sort of evolving at various rates. Um, but I think to, to an extent, some of that isn't – Um, I think the the COVID-19 pandemic has really instigated a lot of change, but I I don't always think that that waiting for that change is an option. Um, I mean, I I think there are a lot of levels to this. Uh, Like, why isn't Deladon treated the same way the NDA stars were treated, right? I mean, for a lot of them, the the ability to opt out was their ability. They sort of had that power, and the WNDA is essentially saying that Deladon doesn't have that power. Um, I mean, I think a lot of that a lot of that has to do with like, why can't she? I mean, why, it, I think it comes down to sort of like, it's, it, it is like you said, it's it's the WNBA sort of needing, in, in, their, in their eyes, needing this viewership and needing the star power she brings. Um, and so I think the impetus does fall on fans to an extent uh, to sort of step up and say, no, this is not okay. And that the consequences for forcing her to play are worse than the consequences of allowing her to opt out um like that needs to be made clear but beyond that you talked about there needing to be like real concerted change right that um this can't be something that's sort of like oh yeah maybe in a couple years WNBA will have sort of quote unquote evolved that maybe in a couple years the NFL will be more socially progressive maybe in a couple years the MLB will have changed um I think there does need to be more of a direct change now I think in some of these situations that gives players more power um, because like you said this isn't acceptable um, and she's being treated differently than male basketball players are and I, I, in in no way is that okay in no way is that an equitable way to treat people um, and yeah in, in no way can we sort of look that square in the eye and say hey we're okay with this
2: yeah and it's it's also, like, I'm not sure if you've been seeing recently on social media, but a ton of NBA players have almost seemingly come to, like, the WNBA's voice because, you know, they're NBA players. Their platform is bigger on a, you know, much larger scale in terms of pay, at least. They've been wearing a lot of, like, WNBA merch. Someone was caught yesterday wearing a Sabrina Ionescu New Jersey. Uh, they've all been wearing the WNBA orange sweatshirts giving, you know, obviously giving free advertisement and whatnot. Um, and it, it definitely, I don't know, it definitely shows to, I want to say, the overall compass, moral compass of each league. I mean, Maya Moore dropped out of the WNBA to become essentially a civil rights activist. I mean, yesterday you saw, they the reporting was a little off from what I had heard, but yesterday you had saw two entire WNBA teams walk into the locker room while the national anthem was going to play Um, I mean the WNBA you could argue has a very very big voice in the sports world but almost such a small audience that it doesn't really get heard as much so I don't know I guess I would just say props to the NBA for trying to give them a bigger platform because I mean right now Elena Della Dawn like you were talking about uh, she currently takes 64 pills a day like it's almost like like you were saying, like, there's levels to this. There's levels to this. And, but it also goes, like, there's levels to the WNBA and there's levels to the NBA as well, so.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you, you talk about sort of the, the need to, the WNBA has shown itself. I mean, players have stepped up in big ways. Um, yeah. The platform in big ways. Um, but I think, like, again, it's also on the fans to both make clear with your attention what you value to the league because they will listen. Um, and, but that, 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 that isn't just in this particular case. It can't just be like, well, I'm because of the Deladon situation. This needs to be, it can't just be because of the Deladon situation. Um, I, as a fan, I'm not going to watch Mystics games. It it has exactly. to be, it has to be more, I mean, fans need to step up. The, the, the real reason, um, that I think NBA players have more power is because more people are watching, um, and more people need to step up and watch the WNBA, um, because they deserve that attention, that attention, um, and that spectatorship will give players more power. But it's also something I think I, these are these are sports, and these are sort of fantastic. And I think we owe it as a society uh, to these players to give them the attention they deserve.
2: I think you drove home a good point too. You had said that uh, like the coronavirus pandemic essentially has given a lot of opportunities to, you know, players, leagues, to like really voice their opinions on things and bring light to some of these issues. I think you brought on a good point though, about how the, like the time like to talk about this is like, it shouldn't happen when the pandemic's around. It shouldn't happen when Deladon, you know, ha- goes through the situation. This should these should be ongoing conversations. Like we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have to wait until something drastic ha- happens for them to, you know, we shouldn't have, a drastic event happen for then a dramatic effect to have on, you know, all these other leagues and players and situations. You should be ongoing conversations that we're having all of the time. And it shouldn't be swept under the rug because, you know, we're back to normal life. It should definitely be a situation where it's just talked about all of the time, like in normal life. These should be normal life, normal job like conversations that we have with these players and, you know, fans and coaches. I mean, obviously, like I said, we talked about the Red Sox earlier when you talked about the MLB. Clearly, all of those fans weren't ready to have that conversation. What does that tell you about the fan base of the Red Sox? You know what I mean? It's it's, It's 2020. It's the year 2020. What does that tell you about the fans of the Red Sox? What does this tell you about the fans of the NBA, the WNBA, the MLB? You know what I mean? Clearly, changes need to be made. Clearly, conversations need to be had. But we shouldn't have to wait around to have them. We shouldn't have to wait for something crazy or something big to have these conversations
1: yeah and I mean the if the fans have a lot of power which they obviously do then again like we were saying it's so dependent on the fan base for the direction that the league changes which I guess if we think about the Red Sox example that you were talking about with the comments that's probably not a good thing in some ways but also is a really good thing in other ways and that fans can have a lot more of a say in terms of demanding like action now. And I agree with you, Jasper. I think that it has to happen sooner rather than later. I mean, we've been talking, like, I kept asking, when do you think this is gonna, like our league's gonna shift? But I think it's more important that we start having conversations along the lines of like, why haven't they been changing, you know? Like, what are we waiting for? Why why wait several years for people to demand action instead of now? I mean, it's probably, you know, like it's long overdue in some ways.
0: Yeah, um, and and I I absolutely agree with you. Um, it is long overdue, and I think a, a lot of times people sort of ask like, why if these changes are sort of well, if if we've been waiting so long for them, why why haven't there been these changes? Why haven't um, why haven't like owners and management stepped up? Why haven't figures of power in these sports stepped up and made these changes? Um, and I think a lot of it is due to uh, a, a, lot, a lot of it comes down to like, like again, like sort of how you take power. Um, I mean, you talked about fans having a voice. There needs to be, if you want to see these changes, you need to sort of step up and uh, and like make that change, and then do it in a way that's that's really permanent, right? If if you're sort of outraged by the injustice that Devenan is experiencing, that needs to manifest itself in you sort of going out and becoming a WNBA fan, because that's that's how you make the change. Suddenly. You're, you're a part of that world and you have a power to make a change in that world. Um, and I think that for for a lot of this as, as fans, that's how you make a difference. It, it has to be, you can't just be sort of saying something and being outraged as an individual because the fact of the matter is, if you continue to watch, the owners aren't gonna care about how you feel because your eyes will be where they want, where they want them to be um, because your money will be where they want it to be. I mean, every time you turn on the TV to watch a game, you're another viewer. Um, but every time you turn that TV off, you, suddenly they're losing something. Um, and so I think I, 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 there's a lot of opportunities for players to step up and get more power. And I think that's very immediate. But for fans as well, you need if, – if you see these injustices and if you care about them, you need to step up. And, again, with your attention, either giving it um, to things like the WNBA, to watching those games, to sort of giving – that, that platform, a greater base and uh, a greater audience. Um, and then also not watching things like, am, like, I mean, if, if you're outraged by the Kaepernick incident, then maybe you have to consider stopping. Uh, you have to maybe not watch NFL games and like, they're, they're sort of like you can direct with your attention what you value and don't value.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. That's a really interesting point. Luke, do you have any, um, like, concluding thoughts to a lot of the points you brought up or Jasper?
2: Yeah, I think Jasper uh, kind of hit it on the nose um, in terms of kind of picking and choosing where you kind of align your thoughts with. You you have to support, you know, these players while also making sure that they're all, like, they're also being checked in, you know, for, you know, how far, you know, how much they do want, how much, you know, a a lot of times, too, that's the thing that the players aren't really asking for more. Like a lot of times they're just asking for, you know, just as much or, you know, maybe a little bit less than the best guy. I mean, my biggest problem with sports currently is the big kind of like gender pay gap that there is between, and I get it, you know, people, you know, there's statistics like, okay, like, you know, the women's soccer team wasn't getting as many viewers, but like they have more trophies. Like they have clearly more awards. Like these are the best soccer players on the planet. And, you know, sending of the NBA, like the highest player salary range is in the 100000 range when the cheapest player salary for the NBA is like in the 800000 range. So you kind of have to pick and choose like, you know, where you want to have these battles at. But I definitely think Jasper brings up a very good point about how essentially, you know, you got to turn your attention away from these leagues that aren't really listening to social issues as opposed to, giving your attention to these leagues that need your attention, giving, you know, your focus and attention to these players that need your focus and attention. So I think that would be my concluding thought on everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree.